In the name of the Father, the Son, and Holy Spirit. <clears throat> Beloved in the Lord, let us draw near with a true heart and confess our sins unto God our Father, beseeching Him in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to grant us forgiveness. Our help is the name of the Lord. I said I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord. <clears throat> Almighty God, merciful Father, I, a poor, miserable sinner, confess unto thee all my sins and iniquities with which I have ever offended thee, and justly deserve thy temporal and eternal punishment. But I am heartily sorry for them, and sincerely repent of them. And I pray thee of thy boundless mercy, and for the sake of the holy, innocent, bitter sufferings and death of thy beloved Son, Jesus Christ, and merciful to me, a poor sinful being. Upon this your confession, I by virtue of my office as a called and ordained servant of the word, announce the grace of God unto all of you. And in this stead, and by the command of my Lord Jesus Christ, I forgive you all your sins in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit.
vindicate me, O God, and defend my cause against an ungodly people. From the deceitful and unjust man deliver me, for you are the God in whom I take refuge. Then I will go to the altar of God, to God my exceeding joy, and I will praise you with the lyre, O God my God. Vindicate me, O God, and defend my cause against an ungodly people. Vindicate me, O God, and defend my cause against an ungodly people. Lord, have mercy upon us. Christ, have mercy upon us. Lord, have mercy upon us. The royal banners forward go, the cross shows forth redemption's flow, where he by whom our flesh was made, our ransom in his flesh was The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Almighty God, by your goodness, mercifully look upon your people and we that we may be governed and preserved evermore in body and soul. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. The Old Testament lesson for Utica, the fifth Sunday in Lent, is written in the 22nd chapter of the first book of Moses, commonly called the Genesis, beginning at the first verse. 
After these things, God tested Abraham and said unto him, Abraham. And he said, Here I am. And he said, Take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I will show you. So Abraham arose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. Then Abraham said to his young men, Stay here with the donkey. I and the boy shall go over there and worship and come back to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it upon Isaac, his son. And he took in his hand the fire and the knife. So they went, both of them together. And Isaac said to his father, My father. And he said, Here I am, my son. He said, Behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And so they both went together. And when they came to the place of which God had told him, Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. He said, do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything unto him. For now I know that you fear God seeing that you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him was a ram caught by its horns in a thicket. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the name of the place, The Lord Will Provide. As it is said unto this day, On the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. I was glad when they said to me, Let us go to the house of the Lord. Peace be within your walls and security within your towers. The epistle lesson is written in the ninth chapter of St. Paul's letter to the church, to the Hebrews, beginning at the 11th verse. But when Christ appeared as a high priest, and of the good things that have come, then through the greater, more perfect tent, not made with hands, that is, not of this creation, he entered once for all into the holy places, not by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, thus securing eternal redemption. For if the sprinkling of defiled persons with the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer sanctifies for the purification of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, purify our consciences from dead works to serve the living God? Therefore, he is the mediator of a new covenant so that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance, since a death has occurred that redeems them for the transgressions committed under the first covenant. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. 
Deliver me from my enemies, O Lord. Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. That you delivered me from my enemies. You rescued me from the man of wickedness. Gospel is written in the eighth chapter of St. John, beginning at the 42nd verse. Glory be to thee, O Lord. Jesus said to them, If God were your father, you would love me, for I have come from God and I am here. I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? It is because you cannot bear to hear my word. You are of your father the devil, for your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and has nothing to do with the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies. But because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Which of you convicts me of sin? I, if I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? Whoever is God of God hears God's word. The reason why you do not hear them is that you are not of God. The Jews answered him, Are we not right in saying that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? Jesus answered, I do not have a demon, but I honor my father and you dishonor me. Yet I do not seek my own glory. There is one who seeks it, and he is the judge. Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. The Jews said to him, now we know that you have a demon. Abraham died, as did the prophets. Yet you say, if anyone keeps my word, he will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham who died? And the prophets died. Why do you make yourself out to be? Jesus answered, if I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my father who glorifies me, of whom you say, he is our God. But you have not known him. I know him. And if I were to say I did not know him, I would be a liar like you. But I do know him, and I keep his word. Your father Abraham praised, rejoiced when he, to see my day, and he was glad to see it. So the Jews said to him, You are not yet fifty years old. Have you seen Abraham? And Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. And so they picked up stones to throw at him. But Jesus hid himself and went out from the temple. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ.
I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Ghost of the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried. And the third day he rose again according to the scriptures and ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of the Father. And he shall come again with glory to judge both the quick and the dead, whose kingdom shall have no end. And I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spake by the prophets. And I believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism. And I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. Advice is what you get when you're talking to a person about something horrible and complicated, and they wish you would just stop talking and go away. Advice is what you get when the person you're talking to wants to revel in the superiority of his or her own intelligence. So says Harvard psychologist Jordan Peterson. 
But genuine conversation is different. It is exploration. It is articulation. It is strategizing. When you're involved in a genuine conversation, he says, you're listening and talking, but mostly listening. Listening is paying attention. It's amazing what people will tell you if you listen. Sometimes if you listen to people, they will even tell you what's wrong with them. Sometimes they will even tell you how they plan to fix it. And sometimes that helps you fix something wrong with yourself. One surprising time, the therapist said he was listening to um, somebody very carefully. And the woman, after a few minutes, told him that she was a witch. And that her witch coven had spent a lot of time visualizing world peace. And he said, he said, I didn't know what to make of it, but... It wasn't boring, and that's something. Well, people think listening to God is boring, but it's really not. Listening to the Lord, the Lord's word, where he articulates how you might receive eternal life and therefore not end up with your immortal soul in hell forever. There's nothing boring about that. That's more important thing to listen to than any other thing in this world. It's more important than your, your school lectures. It's more important than within your job. It's more important than your entertainments. Hearing what God has to say about how we will be saved by grace through faith and not of works is the most important thing to hear, and there's nothing boring about it. Yes, listening to God is, is very interesting. And why? Because Jesus says in John 8, just a little bit before our gospel lesson this morning, he says that if you abide in my word, you will know the truth. And the truth will set you free. Set you free? (laughs) Free from what? (laughs) What do we need to be set free from? Slavery. Yep, slavery to sin. Because Jesus answered them, And he said, most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave to sin, and a slave does not abide in the house forever. In other words, we will not forever be in God's presence, but if we continue in our sins, then we will not be allowed into the house anymore. In other words, we will be be driven out of the realm where God is present, and the only place where God is never present is hell. That's what he's really referring to. And that's what awaits sinners, eternal condemnation. And that's a problem, isn't it? Because we are all sinners, aren't we? Haven't we all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God? Haven't we all done done that which is not right? We are. And so we know what the problem is. That's the problem, right? There's this thing called hell awaiting us because we're sinful. So where, where do we locate the solution? How do we find the solution? How do we obtain this forgiveness of sins that we need so much and is very not, in, very not not interesting? Well, Jesus says in today's gospel lesson, he who hears, he was of God, hears God's word. Therefore, you do not hear because you are not of God. Again, Jesus is making it very clear that we need to be of God. And he was of God, stress on the word of, is somebody who hears God's words. And hearing a kuo always means in order to do it, to do what God says. 
It's interesting, isn't it? In the ancient world, the ancient pagan religions, those who stood against the Hebrews, which was basically everybody, right? They all put an emphasis on seeing, not hearing. The ancient pagan religions, all of them said you should never trust what your ears hear. Only trust what your eyes see. Right? Always trust what your eyes see. That, lead, that listening to something can lead you astray, but never seeing. Isn't that interesting? Never seeing. That can never lead you astray. So, like, for instance, in the, in the liturgy of the, the false god Mithras during the Roman period, the, you know, the god, little g, always appears. The, the, the various pagan monuments from the ancient world, they all depict religious actions that climax with, with man receiving visions of the god, seeing the god, which is uh, ironically something that the poet Blake, the Irish poet Blake, warned about, right? That you believe a lie when you see with and not through the eye. No, in the Old Testament, the Hebrews looked at this matter of seeing and hearing exactly the opposite. They emphasized that, that true vision of the divine, especially, or the, or the deity, was always dangerous, right? That's the reason why in, in, in Genesis 3, five, five, Genesis in Genesis 19.26, when Lot's wife was told, don't look behind you. And what did she do? As she was fleeing Sodom and Gomorrah, she looked behind her and she returned to the pillar of salt. She saw what she was not allowed to see. In Exodus 3.5-6, a shepherd by the name of Moses is confronted by a bush that burns and is not consumed by the fire. And a voice comes from the bush and says, take off your sandals for you are standing on holy ground. And Moses took off his sandals and bent his head to the ground, and he was afraid. And he should have been. Because later in the book of Exodus, in 33, 20, God warns Moses, he says, you cannot see my face, for no man may see me and live. So the Hebrews believe that religious sight is a dangerous thing, much more dangerous than hearing. I mean, one, one of the reasons why we have sacraments, that God you know, puts his presence under things like bread and wine and water is, is, is also to, to protect us from being overwhelmed emotionally and spiritually by the glory of God, which we as sinners are not prepared to receive. And even when we are to see things of God in the Old Testament, it's always eschatological. It always points to the last things. And it's always a decisive call not to see but to hear. It's a decisive call to hear. As in Isaiah 1, 2, where God says, Hear, O heavens, give ear, O earth, for the Lord has spoken. I have nourished and brought up children, and they have rebelled against me. Additionally, hearing entails <clears throat> obedience, as in Jeremiah 29, 13, where, where God says, You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. I mean, the problem that I have encountered many times as a pastor is that people claim they, they don't know where God is, but they search for him lightly, weakly, and not in the right places. We are to search where he is found, where he promises to be found, like in the church where the word and sacraments are present. If you seek him where he, claimed, he promises to be found, you will find him. And how do we do this? by hearing what Jesus did for us. 
by hearing his word, right? That's how we do this. We receive what Jesus did and said by hearing, by hearing. As when Jesus said to John's disciples, go and tell John what you see, what you hear. In Mark 4, 24, Jesus also says, he says, take heed what you hear. With the same measure you use, it will be measured out unto you. And to you who hear, much will be given. Thus, seeing is always directed not at Jesus' appearance, because the Bible never tells us what he looks like. In fact, all the icons on this wall are all based on, basically, on the Shroud of Turin in ancient, ancient times. It's true, truly, that's why we think Jesus looked the way he did. But we, we really don't know what he looks like. The scriptures really don't care about his appearance. What they care about is what Jesus has done and what he does. That's the reason why just a few moments ago you confessed that the high theology of the Council of Nicaea where we confess that I believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds. God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten not made, being of one substance with the Father by whom all things are made. Who for us men, meaning humanity, and for our salvation came down from heaven. He came down from heaven. That's what he did. He was incarnate by the Holy Ghost of the Virgin Mary. That's what he did. He was made man. That's what he, was, what he did. He was crucified. That's what he did. He was buried. That was what was done to him. And then the third day he rose again, from this, according to the scriptures, what he did again. And he ascended into heaven again, what he did. And now he sitteth on the right hand of God the Father, what he is doing. And he shall come again with glory to judge both the quick and the dead, whose kingdom shall have no end, what he is going to do. This second article of the Nicene Creed ignores Jesus' visible appearance, but rather catalogs what he has done to save us and what he will do to judge us if we are not saved. For Christ is our Savior, and that he will be our judge. When he is our Savior, his appearance means nothing. When he becomes our judge, the scriptures are very clear about his appearance at that point. The, the, the transfiguration, which is one of the icons on that wall, is, is a hint into what he will appear to be, where his, where his skin begins to shine brighter than the sun, his garments become as white as light. St. Paul, when he was struck down on the road to Damascus, also received a preview of the Christ who comes in glory, where again, he shines brighter than the sun, and from his mouth issues the sword of his word, which is his, which is his, his weapon against all things. Yes, in the first case, Jesus has done everything necessary to save us. And if we reject his salvation, if we refuse his salvation, if we live as if God did not matter and as we mattered most and lose what he has given us through his word and his sacraments, then he will be our judge. So how do we know if we're already saved or if we're soon to be judged? The answer, according to today's gospel lesson, is very simple. He who is of God hears God's words. Therefore, if you do not hear you do not hear because you are not of God. So we must ask ourselves, which one are we? Are we of God? Or are we of not of God? Because those not of God will die eternally. 
Because the wages of sin is death, and we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That is, that is true for all of us. Yet, in today's gospel, we also hear Jesus tell us, most assuredly, I'd say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. If anyone keeps my word, he will never taste death. John 8, 51 and 52. I don't think this is accidental. I really don't think it is. See death, taste death. See and taste. See and taste. Why see and taste? I don't think it's accidental, as I said. I believe that both these words are pointing us to the sacraments. You see, Christ Jesus inaugurates his sacraments of baptism and the Lord's Supper so that our faith has a ground upon which we can objectively judge for ourselves whether we are among those who are saved or among those who are condemned. Because in baptism, in holy baptism, we see, we see eternal life when we are born again of water and the Spirit where Christ promises, connected to that water, they cleanse us, they wash our sins away so that everything, the old passes away and everything becomes new. That's why Jesus said to Nicodemus in, in John 3, verse 5, that, that unless you are born again of water and the Spirit, you cannot see the kingdom of heaven. And then secondly, secondly, we see that word taste. And again, just as the first seeing refers to those who are born again of water and the Spirit, I believe that the second word taste refers to the sacrament of the altar for Holy Communion, where we see God and we taste his forgiveness of sins as we take and eat and take and drink his true body and blood given to us under the veils of bread and wine for us sinners to eat and drink and so that we receive the forgiveness of sins. And how do I know this? Why do I believe this? Because I believe what Jesus Christ says. On the night in which he's betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it and he gave it to them saying, take and eat, this is my body. In the same manner also, he took the cup after he had supped and he gave it to them saying, take, drink, this cup is the New Testament in my blood shed for you for the forgiveness of your sins. The forgiveness of your sins. And what separates the condemned from the saved is that the sin is the condemned do not have, they have not received the forgiveness of sins. So that when we take Christ's body and we drink his blood, we are forgiven. We are in Christ. And there is, there is no longer condemnation for those who are in Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus.
Welcome this morning uh, to everyone in spirit. It's, it's great to have all of you here on this fifth Sunday in Lent. So um, a few things going on this week. Um, we have midweek services in this week at 1130 and also at six. We will have stations of the cross. So you see the stations around. Uh, we'll have stations, uh, station service uh, this week. And then also in the back, we've got some signups for uh, Easter breakfast. Uh, and also uh, sign-ups for those who would like to sponsor an Easter lily. And then also our uh, sister parish on the north side of town in Montrose is uh, the ladies there are putting together uh, Easter baskets. Uh, that's their main Ladies Guild fundraiser there. And um, so if you'd like an Easter basket, and they are really nice uh, to give to somebody, a neighbor, a friend, whatever, an enemy. Um, the cost is uh, $15, and uh, there's a sign-up sheet also in the back. I think you can take a flyer and just you know, let them know and uh, give the money to uh, either uh, our usher, one, uh, one of our ushers, or to our deaconess if she's still here. Uh, and then we'll make sure it gets to the right place and make sure you get your baskets. So just kind of an FYI on that. We will have catechism class on Wednesday, and uh, uh, especially if you're a, you or your child is in catechism, if they've not finished their um, memorization work, we, not, we need to get this knocked out because if we don't get it done by Monday, Thursday, you know, they're not going to be confirmed at Easter Vigil. So we need to get that going if, if, if anybody um, doesn't have, if you're not quite done. A um, couple, one, one prayer request from first service. Kathy Williams, who some of y'all know as a teacher at the high school, she um, was telling me really with, with tears in her eyes about one of her students by the name of Jack, uh, who has come down with a very aggressive, rare form of stomach cancer and that he is already up at, at, in Birmingham at the Children's Hospital, and they just installed a port, and, uh, but his, his diagnosis is not good. So we'll pray for Jack this morning as well. The Lord be with you. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace that is from above and for the well-being of the churches of Christ and the godly unity of all Christendom, let us pray to the Lord. For this holy house and for those who in faith, piety, and the fear of God offer here their worship and praise, let us pray to the Lord. For Matthew and Eric, our shepherds and bishops in Christ, for all pastors and teachers and all people, let us pray to the Lord. For our nation, all our people, for our president and Congress, our governor and the legislature of Alabama, for our judges and magistrates and all who serve in public office, let us pray to the Lord. For the sick and the sorrowing, for those who mourn, for those who are in need and distress, for the homebounds and the infirm, especially we pray this day for, for Doris and Ed, Mary Alice and Mark, for Eddie and Norma, Kim and Suzette. <clears throat> For Jennifer and Jackie, Tony and Diane, for Hunter and Tony, for Diane and, and, and uh, Hunter, for Chris and Gail, Marion and Clayton, Meredith and James, for George and Larry, for Earl and Suzette, for Bob and Sandy, for Megan and Isaac, Haley and Jay, Tracy and Patty and Cecil, Michelle and Carl, Karen and Jimmy, for Tina and Ainsley, Kevin and Ron, Mary Ellen and Brian, Natalie and Thelma, <clears throat> Jesse and Ralph, for Theo and Easton, Doug and Fallon, Colby and Jamie, 
Andra and Francis Grace, for Hugh and Waylon and Ryan, and we pray for the 